Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly D. Hey, hey, it's me, Dr. Fuck, and with me is... Oh, yeah, the Ayatollah Alcoholic Ian Wadley. That's right, another generic intro to our the, mess, the greatest podcast in the world. That's right. How you doing, Ian? Uh, not too bad. I'm about four and a half beers in, so I'm getting there. That's good. I'm very proud of you, son. Thank you. <laughs> so what's up, bro? You got any of those iTunes reviews? Oh, man. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus, and he brought us an iTunes review. It's about fucking time. <laughs> you, 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 you didn't say vagina right. Oh, my bad. But we did get a great five-star review. Uh, this one coming from, surprisingly, his name is... Depeche Mode 939. No comment. So, uh, <laughs> I happen to like Depeche Mode. No, really? I'm, I'm shocked. Yeah, no shit, right? But uh, this is a five-star review entitled The Kings of All Podcasts. Oh, yeah. He must have seen yeah. the song, too. Yeah. <laughs> he says, and I quote, Just two dudes who share a love of all types of music. These guys are brutal and honest in the reviews, and I love hearing about how they discovered the artists they are talking about. This is as real as it gets, and you won't find a better podcast. If you are of the faint of heart or easily butthurt, then go listen to Nancy Boy Eddie Trunk. Ah, love you. Hell yeah. Love you, Ian and Ralph. Keep those horns raised. Hell yeah. Hey, man, I love the Pesh Mode. Not Me the too. band, that guy. <laughs> Hell yeah, Depeche Mode rules What was the oh, name yeah. again, Depeche Mode With a number? Yeah, 939 Depeche Mode 939 owns The band Depeche Mode, thank you <laughs> Well thank you very much For the review brother man I miss getting to read these, I love these so much And uh, uh the, the only thing I ask like, like if you do leave a review If you're on the Facebook page uh, let me know who you are, because you know it makes it more personal. I have no idea if this guy's on the Facebook page, but thank you very much, uh, Depeche Mode. Uh, appreciate it, man. That was a nice review. Yeah, uh, I gotta tell you, man. Like I'm a, uh, I think uh, Depeche Mode nine zero two one zero is uh, is my is my personal Jesus. There you go. Thank oh, you. I, I like what you did there. See that? See that? I knew you were a fan. I'm on fire, I and I just woke up. Uh, you're flaming, that's for damn sure. All right. Well, uh, since that's our only iTunes review, and, man, there is dick for news this week, uh, let's talk about a couple shows that you just went and saw. Oh, yeah. I saw two shows back-to-back. Uh, I went to go see Flotsam and Hammerfall, and, boy, man, Eric AK still got those screams. Solid set list for an opening act. They played three songs off of the first album. You know, it was a bunch of old stuff, but they threw in like three or four new tunes, and that last album is a self-titled called Flotsam and Jetsam. Great album, dude. That album is fucking awesome. 
And I haven't said that about a Flotsam and Jetsam album since fucking uh, Drift. And I think it's the best album they've done since Drift. And uh, and they even played a song from Drift, uh, which would shock me because that one is not very loved by the Flots fans because, it, you know, they took more of a, you know, direction that wasn't thrashy. So, uh, yeah, I bought the vinyl. I listened to the vinyl's entirety. Even though it's already two years old, it's a great fucking album, so I highly recommend it. Hammerfall, gotta tell you, that's a fun band to see live. Very great musicians. They got the, you know, the synchronized uh, moves. But I'll be honest with you, you know, their, their songs are kind of gay. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard. And my favorite song, the Dragon Lights Bleeding, wasn't played. Or the song Hammerfall, which was like, you know, because I, I really like lost touch of Hammerfall after Legacy of Kings. And then when they did play, they didn't play nothing off the first album. Then when they played Legacy of Kings, it was the dreaded medley. Ugh. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, man, play a full song, you know, let the hammer fall or something, you know, which they did, but in a medley. But, uh, but other, other than that, I mean, it was a fun night out. I mean, I had a good time and it was fun watching them. You know, I'm not going to say, and they're metal, you know, you know, it's one thing I got to say, you know, I mean, there's a lot of metal bands I don't like, but you got to respect metal bands. You know, so I got, I respect Hammerfall, you know, and uh, for what they stand for and what they do. They haven't changed their style. They remain gay as always. But I, 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 lo I love the fact that they they really put on a great show. And there was not many people there in South Florida. And, and the singer even made a little comment going, hey, well, we come back. Invite your friends. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let me ask you about Flotsam because I'm really I've just never really got into them that much, but I, I mean, I've never dug into it. Uh, what would be your, your favorite uh, Flotsam? Uh, man, it's hard between the first two. I'd, I'd probably lean a little more to Doomsday, but to you, I'd say check out uh, Drift. Drift? I, okay. I think, I think Drift is a masterpiece. It's not thrashy. I mean, there's a couple songs that are kind of thrashy, but it's so good. It's such an amazing album, and and they were on MCA and everything, you know. And it just didn't. Yeah. It didn't take off, you know. <clears throat> Going to the next show, which I thought was even better, was uh, Buckethead. Oh my God, dude! You need to see Buckethead. You know, well, he, he, he's coming ahead. here. You, he's go see him, dude. Here. You know why you love him? He does a lot of Zappa. Oh, oh yeah. shit. He does a lot of stuff. Like, like he'll do instrumental, but in the middle of something, he'll throw in, like he threw in black napkins uh, the last Oh time. my God. And oh, dude, nice. I'm telling you, man. I mean, I don't think there's a faster player other than maybe Sean Lane, who was his teacher, by the way. Uh, Sean Lane may be the fastest player ever, but you know, he passed away. So I think the fastest player now alive. And it's not, it's not, a shred fest, dude. I mean, he shreds, but it's so fucking entertaining. Cause he'll yeah. he'll be shredding and he moves around like a robot. You know, well, the thing I've noticed on his on his records, because I have probably three hundred buckethead albums, but everyone I've listened to, even when he's shredding, you still hear a tune. Yeah, and and that's that's what I love. Cause there's some shit like. You know, there's some Ingve Malmsteen I love. And then there's some where it's like, oh, my God, it's exactly what Gene Simmons said. It's an angry bee. You just want to shoot it. You know, it's a big jerk-off fest. Look at me. But with Buckethead, 
even when he goes ballistic, I still hear a song, and yeah. I love that. And and he gives you chills, dude. And and you know, and then he like takes off the guitar, brings out Noonshucks and breakdance. He's fucking awesome. <laughs> takes out a chicken head and talks to the audience through a chicken head. Uh, he's he's amazing. He's just fucking amazing. And this last time I saw him, man, was the best time ever. I was like, holy fuck, man! How can he top? The last shows I thought were equally amazing, awesome, you know, jaw-dropping. Right. But this time was like, holy fuck. And I think it may have something to do with his recently his recent um, uh, medical condition. Because he has a really bad heart now. And, right. And, you know, I mean, doctors say he might not even last. So that's why I think you should definitely go see him. And, yeah, uh, he's playing a place here, the, the Joy Theater. And... Uh, it's uh, it's kind of like where we saw Noel Gallagher. It's smaller than that, right? But but it's a it's a place with seats, and that's it's it's beginning to be a new trend here in New Orleans. And I'm like, oh, it's like they're finally, you know, post Hurricane Katrina, they're open up all these grand theaters in New Orleans, but it's all like seats and and bolted down and. I, I, I need to stop letting that deter me from going to concerts because I just get like I'm, I'm used to standing and like whoever wants it the most gets up front and none of these places are like that and don't you even think about fucking you know smoking a joint or fucking you know hitting your even a fucking e-cig you know they're gonna go fucking ballistic and that deters me because I, I just miss that old like everybody's doing drugs and spilling beer and shit atmosphere of like the clubs we grew up on. Uh, but I, I, I think I'm, I think I'm going to go to this bucket and I believe it's on a Saturday. So I got no reason not to go. Yeah, I, I, dude, I'm telling you, man, you need, you need to see Buckethead. I mean, I can't, I can never explain to you through words, how amazing he is live. He's just, I, I bet. And if you get really close enough, he'll give you a toy. I got a plastic dinosaur. Nice. And, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, this would be, you know, if I go to the Joy, it's going to be assigned seating and stuff like that. But, you know, like I said in the past, the only chance I ever got to see him was when he played with Primus at Ozfest, and that was just like him coming out and guesting, you know. Right. But a full show, and it's like, even the people I know here that still listen to metal, uh, even if they had that night off. I, I don't know if they would be into Buckethead, but it's it's something that I know I would enjoy so much because I just love great musicianship. Fuck it, I'd go by myself. Yeah, do it. No, I went by myself. I went to Bucket. It was right. the first time I ever been to the culture and where I didn't recognize anybody. Even the security that's always there uh, wasn't there that night. I guess you know they they fluctuate with security members. I was completely alone. I made some friends. You know, I, I was so bored. Right. I went out in the lobby and started. You know, schmoozing with people, but yeah, it was kind of like, God damn, I don't know anybody here, and it's like, and it baffles me because I seen Buffett, Buckethead, I almost said Buffethead. I know, I was like, oh, I fucking hate Jimmy Buffett. No, uh, no Buffethead, Sammy Hagar, isn't it? Anyway, yeah, Marcus anyway, Welby. Anyway, so uh, uh, I, I lost my train of thought, but um, oh yeah, what I meant to say was, man, I seen Buckethead now for a total of four times. Every time was at the culture room. Every time was people I knew. I was like, where are the... How can you not want to see Buckethead again? That's... Right. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's like once you see him, there's no way you're not going to want to see him again. It's just... I don't care 
if you have different musical tastes than me, look, I'll give you an example. There's this guy I work with, um, this dude called Brian. He's 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 into hip hop. He actually does hip hop records and everything. Me and him both, you know, are are guys that make records that work in the control room at at, at the city uh, our city job. And I played him some Buckethead because I was telling him about it. Oh yeah, then I played him it. And he's like, "Holy fuck, that's awesome!" Then during the night, I'd look over at him and he's watching Buckethead videos on on YouTube. You know, and nice. He, and he's not into that shit. And he was like, "This is amazing." And then at one point, he's like. Because Buckethead, one of Buckethead's biggest influences is fucking Michael Jackson. Right, yep. You know, I he, knew that. He loves Michael Jackson. And, uh, you know, he saw him do some Michael Jackson stuff. And he was like, dude, this guy's incredible. And he's not into rock music, you know? And that's right. what I'm saying. Anybody out there, man, <clears throat> you got to see Bucket, you know? And, and, and it really pisses me off when people are like, you know, when he was in Guns N' Roses, ah, he ain't no slash. That's right, he ain't no slash. He's better than Slash. Way better, man. No, because, you know, he's into shredding. No, no, motherfucker. Listen to him. He'll do, listen to Soothsayer. I mean, the guy is more emotional than fuck, than fucking Slash will ever be. You know, and, 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 you know, it's sad. I saw a video the other day just to prove my point of him doing November Rain with Guns N' Roses. Dude, it was fucking terrible. And I was thinking to myself, he must be doing, he's got to be doing this shit on purpose. How the fuck can you not play November Rain with more feeling than Slash when you're Buckethead? Why? Because he must have been pissed at Axel, and that must have been around the time he left the band. Because it was so bad. I was like, wow. this, this is not right, and it's a pro shot show. And I was like, wow. what the fuck, you know? Yeah, yeah, it was kind of sad, but, but, <clears throat> but I have that other show where he played Rock and Rio, where he destroyed, dude, Night Train, all that shit. I mean, he plays it with so much feel and so much conviction. And then he'll throw in a couple fucking licks that nobody can do. You know? Do you know, other than Bootsy Collins, who also sang on the debut album of Buckethead, Welcome to Bucketland? Uh, You're going to love this. Is it Bernie? Well, no, Bernie doesn't sing. Is it Clinton? It is the guy with the metal plate from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Oh yeah, Bill Mosley. Yeah, I've got I've got some stuff. There's there's a band called Cornbugs that that is is Bill Bill Mosley and Buckethead and a couple other guys. It's amazing shit. It's so funny. So good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's t- I know Buckethead is a busy guy. And uh, legend has it he records in a studio with a bunch of chicken coops and and dog shit. Yeah. He needs the smell of dog yep. shit. <laughs> That's amazing. I can't that is... do that shit. <laughs> dog shit makes me want to puke. Yeah. You know? You know what? You got me sold. I'm going to go online tonight after we're done. I'm going to buy a Buckethead ticket. You Fuck need it, I'm going. to do it before the show because every goddamn culture room show is always sold out. And this one was ridiculous. Oh, I also forgot to mention, on my way, you see... Uh, the, the show with Hammerfall was in Northwest Palm Beach. It takes me about 70 minutes to get there without traffic, but it was raining and traffic right. took me four hours. Oh, and, God. And then, and then the next, and I left early, too, to beat traffic. I left, I left at 2.30, and I got there at 6.30. And I'm not, I didn't even stop anywhere to eat. I, I got there, you know, one of the opening acts sold me a ticket, then I went to go get something to eat, and I came back. And then Buckethead... I said, 
oh, that's only 40 minutes away, but I'm still going to leave before traffic because there's some killer record stores up there. Three hours to get there. A 40-minute ride. God so damn. I got so tired but with all the traffic, all the shit I went through the last two days, that when I got to Buckethead, I, I, I have some pillows in my trunk for those nights where I'm too drunk to drive home. And I took out the pillows and I went to sleep. I put my little <laughs> alarm on my phone uh, right. for 7.30. Dude, I couldn't believe it. When I woke up, I never seen a line that stretched all the way around the culture room to the back of the culture room. Dude, it was ridiculous that when I got in line, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to miss some of this for sure. I fucking, you know, because of the sleep and shit. Dude, yeah. I, Buckethead did not go on till like 9 o'clock. 9.30, actually. And so I, I got in there, like maybe, you know, 40-minute wait in the line. So luckily I got in there. And dude, what's the funniest part? I got all the way up front. Like I was in the back of the line and the place was, I mean, you couldn't fit another person in with a shoehorn and I got all the way up front because nice. it's, you know, when he started passing out toys, the whole place, like, like you know, it was a whole fucking mob of people. <laughs> I got up so close that I got a plastic dinosaur. Nice. Yeah. I kept waving at him. You know, I wasn't close enough like everybody up front, but my <laughs> hand stretched enough for him to reach and I'm waving 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 he passes me a, a plastic dinosaur so i have a plastic dinosaur from buckethead and that's the cool thing about him he gives the audience toys right on so yeah i highly suggest you guys go see buckethead man even if you don't even if you hate the shit i like trust me or or just go on youtube watch a video of buckethead and you'll be sold because he's that good he'll sell you on youtube you know, he's amazing, you know, which I also want to say, if you want to see something hilarious on YouTube, there's a black dude called Weeboo Nation. Yeah, Weeboo. And somebody told him to watch Buckethead, and he had no idea who Buckethead was. Dude, that guy, he was, at first he's like, you know, the guy, you know, he's doing soothsayer. You know, it's very emotional. And he's like, oh, man, go Bucket. Hell yeah. Oh, man, Bucket. But then when he starts really going off, he's like, Dude, he, his head goes back. He looks like he's having an orgasm. He's like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh. And then when the show, the, the video's over, he's like, I have never seen anything as awesome as that. Is that guy, is that guy, <laughs> is that a robot? He, he can't be real. <laughs> so watch Weeboo Nation's soothsayer reaction. It's fuck, and that fucking footage of him doing that song. Oh my God, if that doesn't sell you, you have no soul. You are a Van Hagar fan. Awesome. Yeah, I will definitely check that out. Yeah, definitely get it, because I'm sure New Orleans is no different than Florida, man. It's going to sell out. So get it now. Get it tonight. All right. Well, fuck. Then I guess we got to go to the news. All right. Well, Joe Satriani uh, was commenting on Richie Blackmore, uh, you know, slamming him a little bit. says, it's unfortunate when somebody you look up to has something negative to say about you. And... um, have you ever heard any of the recordings of Deep Purple with Joe Satriani? I own one on CD, but it's a boot, it's an audience recording. But I actually have like an official, you know, bootleg CD that you buy in the stores. Right. And I, and I saw that it was in Japan. I think that's the only shows he did was in Japan with them. And I bought it because of that. I was like, ooh. Then when I took it home and I put it on, I was like, oh, man, it's an audience recording. God damn it. I don't like audience recordings unless it's on my Zune player. Which, by the way, I got the bucket head on Zoom. Oh, nice. You got to yeah. send me that shit. Yeah, I will. Uh, I still got to edit it down, but I'll send it your way. 
But, um, yeah, um, what do you call, uh, what were you saying? Well, uh, it, it was Richie Blackmore slamming uh, Satra. I mean, basically, I mean, and this is a very old, old, uh, you know, comment by Richie. But he was just basically saying that, yeah, technically. Uh, I, I know the interview, yeah. Uh, it, when somebody plays every note right, it's there's something right there. But, look, I feel bad for Satch. I, 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 I love Satch, you know, other than his chicken foot crap. Which, you know, I mean, I can't even judge that because I never listened to it. And I refuse to, for obvious right. reasons. But um, Satriani is an amazing guitar player, but I'll be honest with you. He bores me to tears. When I saw them live, the G3 thing, I yeah. I, I can't get into it. I mean, dude, I, you know, he always headlines them, and he has people like Steve Vai and uh, uh, Al Petrelli. Not Al yeah. Petrelli. Uh, uh, Petrucci, John Petrucci. John Petrucci. Dude, John Petrucci, and I don't know if you're aware of this, this is a, another great instrumental shit because he had Mike Portnoy on, on drums and uh, I forgot who was the bass, the same bass player on Liquid Tension. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a, that. Is that who you're talking about? That Liquid Tension? Yeah, thing? he they, they played Acid Rain, which is dude. Listen to that fucking song. They played that, and then then Vi came out with with Billy Sheen. They opened up with Shy Boy. You know, I mean, it was right. just. Full speed ahead, too fucking amazing. And then Satriani comes and he plays great. I mean, it's awesome for guitar geeks. Don't get me wrong. But I'm not a guitar geek. I'm more into, I don't care about shredding. I like feeling, you know? And he does have feeling, but it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't like tickle my nats. So, but at the same time, I think he's a nice guy. And, and uh, you know, Rich, Rich you know, it, it, I kind of feel bad for him to have like one of his heroes sign him. Right. But, well, I mean, uh, my question was about that is uh, I think I have a couple of bootlegs, but I haven't listened to them yet. But I was interested in what your opinion was on his interpretation of Deep Purple. And do you think he did it justice or was it too wrong or did it fit in for you? As I did, to tell you the truth, my 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 uh, memory is hazy on that. But as I recall, I think he played it safe and played it exactly like the records. I think. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Because I, I like I like what Steve Morris does with him. Yeah. Uh, I think Steve 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 Morris is a great guitar player, and and the live stuff that I've heard, I think he does real good. And I like. Uh, there's a lot of Deep Purple studio tracks with Steve Morris that I like, but to me it doesn't sound like Deep Purple. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't. I, I it's good, but uh, to me, it just it doesn't. It doesn't sound like Deep Purple, other than the fact that you know Ian Gillen's singing. Uh, it just sounds like a, uh, like good music with Ian Gillen singing, but it doesn't have that Deep Purple uh, sound. Not that not that it's bad, but I'm just comparing it to the old shit. It just doesn't have that feel, and I was just curious on the, you know if, if that's how Satch was too. Yeah, no, no, he, he played it safe. He played it like Blackmore. As I recall, I could be wrong. I mean, I only heard that CD once and was pissed. Right. So I, I never went back to listen to it, but, um, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of like, wow, man, is your is your career that huge that you couldn't fo- join them full-time, you know? Uh, right. Steve Morse is amazing. Uh, he's an amazing player. I That's another guitar player I 
I can watch for days. You know, I used to go see Dixie Dregs all the time back in the day. Because um, I love, you know, and I, the reason I go see Dixie Dregs was because of him. I just love, because he's so smooth. He has such a, he's very unique. He's very himself. And I think it's a good move. Get a, get a guy completely different, like John Karabi and Vince Neil. Yeah. I, I, I like, as long as it works, you know, it's like, you know, when you get Sammy Hagar and David Lee Roth, I mean, that's yeah. the recipe for disaster. Well, I mean, I, I feel that way about uh, Come Taste the Band. Yeah. Tommy Bolin, Night and Day Difference. But, man, I'm, to me, that album works awesome. I love Come well, Taste I the think, Band. Well, I think there's a good parallel between Tommy Bolin and uh, Steve Morris because they both have their own sound, nothing like Blackmore. And they, they, they created something really cool. Some, some you know, Morris albums. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the last one, to tell you the truth. I mean, it's yeah, okay. I- it's okay, but I liked uh, Now What More. I really love the most underrated out of all of them was Bananas because it's a stupid title and a stupid album cover. I thought right. that album was really good. And, of course, yeah. Perpendicular. I, I, I never listened to that one. I, I love Perpendicular. I mean, like, like uh, uh, sometimes I feel like screaming or whatever. I think that's a masterpiece. Yeah, uh, the Mechanic. I mean, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I didn't like this. I heard like the, the the first song that they released off of the the last one, Indifferent Infinity or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. And I was like, oh no, no. Uh, it has but, its moments, but it's just yeah. not. It's just, I, I thought the other ones were better. All of them. What was the one with the guy jumping off a building? That was a good abandoned. Yeah, that, abandoned. That was a good one too. You know. Yeah. Uh, now what? You know, is also kind of not as good as all that came before it, but it's better than the new one. I love Vincent Price, so that's a great song. It's the best song on that album, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a great one. All right. Well, here's one that really caught me off guard uh, that it got your seal of approval. Uh, Because I was really like, oh, my God, Ralph's going to hate this shit. And this is a band that's very polarizing, uh, is Ghost. Oh yeah, lot. that new song. I love it. It's it, it's hokey, but I love it. Like you know, uh, me and Ian were talking about earlier. I made a video today for uh, "Easy as It Seems" by Kiss. I mean that song. Come on, that song's hokey as fuck. But I love oh, it. Oh, I and, love it. Oh and, yeah. And, and this song is hokey as fuck, but I love it. And it's got such a, I don't know, like that early '80s pop feel to it that I really love. I I think what it is is I think it was. Uh, it was not so much that I hated the song, but it's just like, to, to me, Ghost is a band. Like, I love, love, love everything about the first album. Yeah, I, me, I, too. me too. I, I, I think it's great. I was like, oh, my God. I can see why everybody jumped on the bandwagon. Like a lot of other artists that I look up to and respect, you know, said, you need to check these motherfuckers out. I totally got it with the first album. And I've seen this band live a couple times. Was always an amazing show, not only visually but musically as well. I really got into it. I, I know you said you know you were kind of like eh, eh. Yeah, I like you know, I like you know some. Why, I didn't like others. You know why? In retrospect, now I think about it, dude, he fired that whole band. I think that whole band knew it was coming, and they gave a half-assed performance. He was good. Okay, well maybe, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, but probably. I, I, I would say with their releases. Uh, like every album or EP, you know, live album, all this shit that's come out since the first album, there's always a few songs that I like. 
but it just seems like it, it keeps getting poppier and poppier and poppier. And I don't want, I want that like horror hammer doom that the first album had. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I, I guess I wanted to be like an ACDC. I want them to keep making that album over and over again. But with with every release, it, you know, they're all so different. And like I said, there's there's not nothing that I like really hate. Uh, but this last song was just like, no, no, go back to the first time. But I, we both loved the first uh, one they released, Rats. I even like that one more than that that new yep. that newer song. Yeah, yeah, I love, I love right. The the video disturbs me with all the goddamn. I, I like it except for the fucking ballerina dance and shit, you know. But but the song I fucking love. I love, but but the when he starts dancing that ballerina shit, it reminds me of like the Billy Squire video, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know where he's da- it, it's like it's that it's like it's so fucking uh, off putting to me, <laughs> you know that it almost ruins the song. It's like I don't want to watch the video. I just want to hear the song because I love the fucking song. But uh, yeah, it, it that... didn't it didn't bother me. But secretly, I love Cox. Oops. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, cat's out the bag. Secrets out. <laughs> Fucks hey, out relax. the closet. <clears throat> relax, Greg Barnes. I was joking. <laughs> but uh, I, I'll have to give it another listen too. I I did only give it one listen, and I was so like, uh, you know, <laughs> and and the video. I don't know if it's this is gonna be like the official video, but basically what it was for anybody who hasn't seen it. Uh, it's a bunch of other musicians listening to the song and like giving their heads up, you know, you know, a thumbs up or like banging their head, like uh, Kirk, you know, from Metallica, Phil and Selmo, uh, Charlie Benante's uh, playing along to it. Yeah, Charlie Benante. I think maybe Chris Jericho's on the shit. I don't know, uh, but shit like that, you know, just like showing them listening to it, acting like it's the greatest thing since sliced bread and. I don't know. I wasn't feeling, but maybe they're notice, wrong. Me, you never did know. Did you notice the notice? Notice the video did not feature Wadzilla. I think that's a little bias on that part. Yeah, yeah. They they should have had me because I, I I just would have made like the gas face like or uh, or Mike Sears who doesn't like it either. Yeah. Well, well, Mike Mike Sears is kind of like me, man. He's kind of like you know love that first album, but you know what the fuck happened? Well, but me too. I I haven't liked anything. Uh, after goes since the first album, except these two new songs. I, I, I'm curious to hear the album. I don't think I'm going to run out to buy it. I need uh, Mr. X's sentence so if it's worthy enough to buy it. Yeah, I, I'll probably have it, you know, by next week. Oh, is that what Mr. I, X told you? I mean, uh, I don't know. You know, shit happens. I don't yeah, know. All right. Uh, all right, all right. Searching for... Uh, while you search for something, I, I got I got some news. Happy to All say right. Rick Nielsen's back in Cheap Trick. And uh, Oh, nice. And here's something else that's pretty funny that I've seen people complain about because people suck. Uh, this recent tour with uh, Poison and Cheap Trick, Cheap Trick is playing longer than Poison in their opening. Wow. <laughs> really? Is that hysterical? I well, did. I did overlook the set list, and I'm like, "Well, here's the deal." And you know what? I lost track of how many times I seen Cheap Trick, but I'm. It's either I'm close to 100 or it's over 100. Um, the songs on the set list are songs I've seen 100 times. You know, it's to see Cheap Trick, you got to see them 
headline because they always throw out the the rare songs. Oh yeah. So I uh, I'm still gonna pass. You know, cause and not only cause you know it's songs that I've seen him do a hundred times, but I'm throwing money at you know Brett Michaels. I, I don't well, want to do that. I, I I get to luck out because just announced two days ago, uh, Cheap Trick is playing here on an off night from the Poison Tour. Hell yeah. And, and they're doing a headline show. It's on a Saturday. Woo, you can't miss so, that. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. You Love me some trick. And, Hell yeah, live, and amazing. Did you hear the new song? And what did you think about yes, it? Yes, I liked it a lot. Uh, Summer looks good on you. Yeah. I, I well, you didn't like it. Ah, uh, maybe I gotta listen to it again. I was a little indifferent to it. it it's I, I've heard a lot better. I've definitely heard worse, but it, it didn't grab me. It, it did like like man when I heard uh, that first single off of fucking Bang Boom Crazy Theory Love Child whatever the fuck it was called I was like oh my god you know this is like okay this is one of my favorite Cheap Trick songs I love this and and uh, that that Summer Looks Good on You kind of sound like I've heard this song a hundred times from Cheap Trick and I've heard it a hundred times better by the way they're on the new album which is not done yet. They're doing a cover of, um, oh, what's the John? I think it's Give Me the Truth from John Lennon. Uh, nice. It's one of those songs I really like from the John Lennon solo era. And they were recently, you can see it on YouTube. There's a really cool show called Jonesy something. You know that show I'm talking about? With Steve Jones, he's the host. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah his radio show, yeah. Yeah, well, Cheap Trick was on there, and they played a little bit of the unfinished demo. And they said... Uh, we're going to send it to you, Steve Jones. We want you to do a guitar solo on it. So oh, that's, nice. That, that's going to be awesome, you know? So, uh, and nice. that's a really cool interview, too. And you listen to Rick Nielsen in that interview. Dude, his voice is so shot. You can tell he's getting over that pneumonia thing. He looks healthy right. and he's alert and doesn't look sickly, but the voice is very scratchy. All right. Well, next story. John Bush said... Uh... On the beauty of Armored Saint, he says it's that everybody has emotional connection to the band and the songs. And, uh, you know, he brought up a great point for a band that's been around that long. I mean, there's really only one different member. And uh, that's, uh, uh, what's the dude's name? The dude Jeff from Duncan. Odin, Jeff Duncan. Duncan. Yeah, you know, other than that, it's been the same guys. And, uh, you know, they record when they want to, when they feel like it now, and they keep putting out quality fucking albums. And uh, you finally did get your uh, special editions of uh, Symbol of Salvation, right? Yes, I'm I very I saw happy. the post. I'm, I'm very I didn't open one. I bought two vinyls. Uh, one, only 200 were made. The other one, 300 were made. The one with 300 I didn't open. I opened the one with 200. Uh, I mean, the one 300 I opened. Right. 200 I, I kept sealed because I'm a dork. And 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 speaking of dorks, uh, may I remind you, Ian? Here comes. <clears throat> hold on. <clears throat> Internet douche guy. Ready? <clears throat> well, technically, okay. technically, Ian. You know, Phil wasn't there for three of the albums, so it wasn't the same guys the whole time. Douchebag theater done with. So uh, yeah, dude, uh, it brought the CD. Uh, I got a shirt. They fucked up on the shirt. They sent me an extra large. I, I wear a large. But, yeah, you know, right. whatever. Uh, so, and both the vinyls. And, yeah, for a colored vinyl, it sounded damn good. 
Well, here, here's the thing. I, I know you're anti-colored vinyl. Well, but I, I did some... I only like black vinyl because I'm politically correct. Right. Now, uh, I did some research on this. And it's the exact same plastic and everything that they use to do, you know, the, the, the new modern 180s. It's the same exact chemicals. It's just a different color. Whereas I, I, I think probably some of your trepidation, I mean, some of it might be uh, nostalgia fact, but then also a lot of people, you know, especially from the 80s, remember, if you had a picture disc, it sounded like shit. And, and, and the reason is because the grooves aren't as deep on a picture disc because they got to leave space to put that picture in there and then the shit on top of it. So it wasn't as good a pressing as a regular copy, but the new stuff, you know, and I, and I can attest to this because other than the, the two Black Sabbaths that you bought me, I've got all the 70s on the special edition colored vinyls, and, and it's still some of the best sounding vinyl that I've, that I've ever bought. Uh so it's 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 still the same quality. It it, it looks different, and I, I have to say, for me, it's it's more enticing because I'm buying something that I already have. <laughs> so so I mean, I, I you know the sound of vinyl, of course, is better than an MP3, better than a CD. But I like having a little something to make it different, make it more of a special package. I mean, I don't bitch about black vinyl, but if I can get a colored vinyl that's 180 gram. I'm, I'm going for something special. Well, well, hear me out. This is why I don't like colored vinyl, but I will tell you this, and I need to put them back to back because thanks to my lunatic friend, Emily from England, I call her a lunatic because she's a lunatic and she doesn't listen, so she won't be yelling at me. Um, she got me, and it's now, dude, check it out. Uh, it's called the First 10 Years of War or something, box set. Yeah, all, Ozzy one. All of the vinyls are colored splattered vinyl this and that i played them all and i had no problem with it. but i didn't i didn't compare back to back but they sounded great so i'll give you that and like you know this this reason that armored saint sounds great the reason i feel this way about colored vinyl is because of that blood in blood out exodus album that's what i'm judging shit by one album but i haven't heard a black vinyl version of that album so you know i could be dead wrong with this colored vinyl thing but yes, there is a huge factor of, I like them black. I like my vinyls black. I don't want no fancy schmancy shit. Give me the old school. Give me the way I was raised in the 70s. You know, you're a CD generation guy, so you don't, I don't think right. you have that same kind of appreciation I do for black vinyl, you know? No, no I, I understand. And maybe... Uh... Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. And I also have to add, there were kind of colored vinyl in the 80s that didn't sound good. Uh, Soldiers Under Command. I have a white vinyl of that. It doesn't sound good. I, I never right. heard the black version, but I'm sure, you know, because I have it on CD, and the CD sounds way better than the vinyl. And, you know, that's fucking weird. You know, so right. I think the 80s didn't make colored vinyl properly either. I know I have some other colored vinyl in the 80s, but I can't think of them offhand. Right. So I think now they perfected the colored vinyl. So I'll, I'll give you that because right. I remember listening to those black that. that when I got that box set in, I I made a whole day out of cleaning my whole house and fucking uh, playing every. It, I didn't do it all in one day. It took me like two days, but I played every fucking album in that box set, even the singles. It came with some singles with Evil Woman and stuff like that. Right. Uh, I believe those are black though. The singles are black, but right. they sounded great. It sounded great. I, I 
But you know, I didn't go. You know, all right, let me put on this and then let me sure. let me slap on the black version. You know, but well, I can tell you, it sounds better than the original pressings. Uh, you know, I I think what it is now. You know, like I said, I I, I did the research and it's the same caliber of material. I think what it really comes down to is the, you know, the mastering job because, uh, you, you know, all, all these, these Sabbath, you know, the current one eighties, these are coming from the original Warner brothers masters. And, you know, I, in the nineties, I bought all of the castle black Sabbath remasters. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stay away from that shit. And, and I had, but I loved it because they all had like amazing booklets. Right. And I, I love that shit because I would read every fucking, you know, line, you know, and I, I love, you know, it was just something more than what you got from the Warner Brothers. But man, when I bought that Ozzy box set, when they did the Ozzy years and it, be, and it came from the original Masters, I I heard albums that I've been listening to since I, I was in junior high, hearing shit that I never heard before. And now with these 180 grams, I'm hearing that same uh, you know that same source, but it sounds even better because it's dark, rich vinyl, and it sounds—I mean, I mean, just absolutely amazing. Now, thanks to you for Christmas and my birthday, now my Black Sabbath '70s collection is complete on 180, and it is some of the best-sounding vinyl uh, I've ever heard. The one I really need to dip my toes into are the Rush remasters on vinyl because those are 200 gram. And, uh, man, I've heard nothing but rave reviews about those. And you just got the, uh... Fairway to Kings. And I, yeah. listened to, I listened to them all. Yeah, dude. I don't know if they're 200 vinyl. They probably are. I didn't really... Yeah, look yeah, it's 200 gram. All right. Man. Whoa. Does that sound fucking amazing. And it brings... It's, it's a four, di four vinyls. Because, uh... It's one vinyl is the album. Right. And the other three vinyl is them at Hammersmith, which was released on um, on that. Uh, different it? stages. Different stages. But this one has like two or three bonus tracks. That yeah, are it's, it, it, it's the complete concert. Yeah, and it's, oh my God. They were so on fire on that show. Listening to that on vinyl, man, I was I was like, God, they were so good. Oh, I mean, it, they, were so, they were so good till the end. But even in the beginning, dude, even back then in the 70s, they were tight as a motherfucker. Tighter and, than a nun's ass. And, uh, you know, uh, to quote, you know, there's been numerous Facebook memes, but, like, I'm going to say this. You may be cool, but you're not as cool as me and Dr. Fuck <laughs> sitting in New Orleans listening to Xanadu and Cygnus X1 and Cygnus X2. Yeah. <laughs> that and, and, was... And not as cool as uh, Wadzilla and Dr. Fuck. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Not as cool as Dr. Fuck and Wadzilla uh, uh, listening to uh, Exit Stage Left on his patio. Yes. And then and then taking a break and laughing at Mark and Terrence talk about how good uh, <laughs> Judgment Day was. Well, uh, I'll tell you, a vinyl that I'm waiting for, and, it, and it's I'm, I'm pissed off because it's out already, uh, and I only have Mr. X versions. But I got the new, uh, the new Overkill, live, the live at Overhausen. Oh my God! I, uh, so far, I've, I've just listened to the first one uh, th that is Overkill. I mean, uh, Horoscope Live. Oh my God, it's so good. Uh, but I got uh, a, like a real limited edition uh, European pressing 
that is neon green vinyl. And I got both because if you buy it on vinyl, you have to buy one and two because both Horoscope and Feel Your Fire are double albums. On, wait, on wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Back to Internet Nerd. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, it's Feel the Fire. All right, I'm done. Whatever. Uh, feel your but, fire. Uh, feel your fire, baby. What is this, the doors? <laughs> that's right. Come on, baby, feel my fire. Yeah, uh, look, look, I, let me say something about the Overkill. I am c- completely gay about the new Overkill because I'm biased. Because, number one, it's not those lineups. And number two, I've been hanging out with Bobby Gustafson lately. I, I forgot to say, the re- one of the reasons I was so tired when I got the Buckethead was at the Flotsam show, me and Bobby were drinking a lot of craft beers, and that's not good for me, you know, with my diabetes. And, but it's Bobby Gustafson, you know, so he's like, hey, you want to have some beers? It's a good craft. I was like, yeah, Bobby, let's go, man. You know, a little fanboy in there. And, yeah, he was going off on how they're ripping him off and this and that. And, and uh, it's sad, you know. But at the same time, you know, I should snap out of this fanboy bullshit and give it a fair chance. I haven't heard it yet. I heard Hammerhead, and it was good. I saw the video. I don't know if it's the same version on something. Yeah, before. yeah. But, yeah, it sounded good. You know, I mean, it wasn't as good as the Thrasher Die version with Bobby Gustafson that you can hear on YouTube, which I don't have anymore, uh, from the fucking uh, computer crash. I lost it. But I got to talk to Jim, the guy that recorded it. He might still have it. If not, then I got to download it off YouTube. Thank God I at least put it up on YouTube. But, uh, yeah, I'm a little irked by, you know, fuck, man. And, you know, I mean, I'm not saying this because uh, I think, the, you know, because I hang out with Bobby and I'm, you know, buddy-buddy with him now. But, um... Even back in the day, dude, I always considered Bobby Gustafson like one of the best of the thrash guitars. I put him up there with fucking Mustaine and Poland, you know? He was like one of my favorite thrash guitars back then. And shit, look look what happened when he left the band. He had to be replaced by two people. That's yeah, but badass I, I, he is. I'll tell you what, though. Fucking Dave and Derek do an amazing job. They've been Derek, there, you know. He's a rhythm player. He doesn't solo. Dave is a monster. A yeah. monster soloist. Yeah, that guy's amazing. Yeah, but I, I think they they play off each other really well, and, and that's why, uh, you know, Mr. X will send you, listen to it, and then get back to me. No, of course uh, I will. But you know what, man? At least you know Merritt and that other dude, the roadie of Bobby. Yeah. They both they both shared solos. You know. I don't understand. I mean, I saw Derek with D. Snyder before he joined Overkill. I don't recall if he was doing solos that night. I don't recall if there were two guitar players. Did the SMFs have two guitar players? I don't know. But uh, I believe so. Okay, so he probably was just doing rhythm that night. I don't know. It's, and he's a nice guy. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, dude, have two shredders up there, you know? All right, well, I can't wait to get it. I've also got Mr. X sent me a copy of the Blu-ray that I'm waiting for. Uh, man, it, I love it. I love it. Everything I've watched so far. And what they do, and normally I don't like this kind of shit, but, like, they play a couple songs, and then there'll be some, like, interviews and some segments real quick, and then it goes back into it. Normally that bothers me. On, on this one, it doesn't bother me at all. It's, it, it's it, kind of cool. It doesn't bother me unless they start talking in between the song, like that fucking Final Supper, Black Sabbath DVD. Boy, that pisses me off. Like, in the middle of the song, there's... Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no. This is in between songs. Yeah, it doesn't fine. cut off at the middle and, of the song. And the, yeah. and the fucking song. You, you have a fast forward button. You know, you just right. click to the next song. But when you talk in between a song, oh my God, that bothers me to no end. But yeah, so all, all this shit's out. You can buy it if you're in the States, but I bought the European package, so I don't think that gets released till, uh, I think, Friday. So hopefully... I, it better be in the mail Friday, god damn it, because I ordered this shit back in fucking March. I, I love Overkill, man. You want to talk about a band? Like, you know, I'm just, I was listening to it before we started recording tonight, and I'm just like, it's one of those, I want to kick myself in the ass for all the years that I was denied Overkill because, you know, I just didn't get it when I was younger, and I put it on the back where it's like, man, I could have been listening to this shit for years because right now, they're... they're probably my top three thrash bands i mean i just love overkill i yeah and, and, i put them and, up and, there too in in all different eras you know one you really uh-huh. turned me on to uh that, that that i had but i just didn't check out was from the underground below Ooh, oh man that album rules oh it's so good and and that's a little bit of a different one for them fuck is that good and that's one that they got a they got a white uh vinyl of that that i want to get it's a little pricey but oh my god is that a good album Ooh, i need to get no i have it okay oh, give me one second i don't know if it's white though hold on give me a second yeah i got i pretty much got all the all the overkill new new reissues uh it is black vinyl okay for some reason, I thought it was white. Maybe I, no, maybe no, no, no. Maybe maybe because uh, this one it even has a label on it that says black vinyl. Maybe you know there's a white one. So right. they, they want the consumer to know, hey, this one's not the white one. Okay. Yeah, amazing fucking. I love, love, love this album, man. Yeah. It, it lives fucked. I'm all right. Rip and tear. Oh yeah. There is one song I hate on that album though. Um. The ballad. The ballad. The uh, oh, ballad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, promises, right? Yeah, I think that's it. Oh my God, is that bad? That that is like re- I, that overkill. Is- overkill doesn't do good. Ballad. You ever heard a Year of Decay? The title track. I like Year of Decay, oh. and, and and I like Solitude off a of horoscope. I think is really good. Oh yeah, that yeah yeah that one is good. Yeah, I forgot. About that. You know, but but no, there's nothing there's nothing in their entire catalog that I've ever heard that that is as bad as that one. Oh my god, is it bad? But the rest of the album is so fucking stellar. Fuck it. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm very excited about that. Uh, but for this last story, is another band that. Man, I wish I would have been listening to more that I discovered because of this show. I mean, not discovered. I knew of them, but I didn't really dig into them. Is Lizzie Borden. Did you hear the new Lizzie Borden songs? No, and my buddy was telling me, dude, you got to listen to the new Lizzie Borden. I haven't heard it yet. Oh, my God. Uh, They got a new album coming out called uh, My Midnight Things that is going to be released on Metal Blade Records. June 15th and they have a video out they have an actual video video out uh, for uh, Long May They Haunt Us what would you and, think oh my god loved it loved oh, it you shit. know like it's gotta suck then I'm just kidding Ian yeah 
check check it out. I really think you'll like it. And there's also uh, another one. They have a, a j- just like a lyric video out for uh, off the album. But uh, this is one that, and they've got some really cool uh, packages you can get from Metal Blade. I mean, this is the same label that just did the you know Armored Saint that you got. But there's like a gray marbled version and a gold marbled version, a CD and a T-shirt, and uh, but yeah, the video is "Long May They Haunt Us," uh, and the, and the lyrical one is uh, the title track, "My Midnight Things." I'll and, check it out, Virginia. Yes, yes, Virginia. There is a Santa Claus and Lizzie Borden just put out a great fucking album. I can't wait to hear and, it. I love, I love oh. Lizzie Borden. Dude, I, I really I really think you'll like it, man. Go on Blabbermouth, type in Lizzie Borden, it'll it'll pop up. Uh, but I but I really dig it, man. I really dig it. Yeah, but this is also this is also an awesome segue into the album we're talking about this week. This review had a as you'll listen, had a great impact on Ralph do getting ready to do this review. And it also really turned me on to check this band out more. Spoiler alert! Yes. So, thanks to James Carruthers, you're about to hear what we think of Krogus' 1980 Metal Rendezvous. Here we go. James Carruthers, my hero. All right, now it's time for, oh, I am confident on this one, Ian. 1980. Yes, sir. Krogus, Metal Rendezvous. The reason why I know this because 1980 for me was the best year for metal and so much metal came out that year there's so much historic metal and uh i gotta be honest with you this one uh well i might as well go into how i discovered this album and this is how i discovered the band for this album was uh our radio show a radio station back then wshe played heat strokes and hearing that song i was like fuck i gotta buy this this is awesome so uh ran out and you know they had i guess it was very well distributed because i remember i bought this at specs uh metal rendezvous and uh you know but as time has gone by and i will get into this as we listen to the songs there's so many amazing albums that came out that year that this one i think is in my collection which i still have the vinyl still proud to have the vinyl is one I never spin, even though I remember it being good. But there's so much, it just got overshadowed with Brady Steel, The First Maiden, Angel Witch. I mean, I can go on and on. Heaven and Hell, Back in Black. And, uh, you know, two Saxon albums. And uh, who was it that requested this album? Uh, this is James Carruthers. James Carruthers? Yes. Well, James Carruthers, I want to thank you because I went back and listened to this album and it brought back so many memories because I have not listened to this in decades. I mean, yeah, there's a couple songs that, you know, I, I like my favorite songs off the album. I think I have heard them through the years because listening back on this album, because I was like, all right, I got to listen to this, even though it's been so many years. You know, I, I should listen to this again because I, I kind of like forgot about this. And man, listening to this album was like one track after the other, after the other, after the other. I was like, oh my God, I remember this. Oh man. You know, why the fuck did I, you know, been avoiding these songs for so long? And uh, 
what can I, and then, you know, I became a Crocus fan right there, and I bought One Bites at a Time, and then I saw them on the One Bites at a Time tour. It was the first time I ever met a band, because they opened for Rainbow, and, uh, you know, they were, they played their gig, and then they went out to the t-shirt stand. And I got them wow. all, yeah, I got them all to sign my, uh, my, my tour book. I bought a One Vice at a Time tour book, which I still have to this day. Had them sign it. And, uh, yeah, it was, you know, and then they became so special to me back then, you know. But this is one of those bands that, man, it's like one of those that you remember, you, you know, in my youth, I remember loving them. But for some reason, it was just I stopped. And, yeah, there's reasons I stopped because, uh, you know, I, can, I have three words, address, change of address. You know? I heard that, and I, and I never forget. I got that shit on cassette, and I never buy cassette, but it was a good thing I did because that album's so terrible that it just lost me. And then you know, they released the next one, which was great. Uh, Heart Attack was it called? Yeah, yeah, I, I love that album. I thought that was a great album, but then you know they just disappeared after that. They made a few more like Rock the Block and all this shit. It's just like it's all right, but you know, it, Crocus to me was a time capsule band. You know, there was something about them at that time, kind of like Quiet Riot. You know, it's like they were of the time and they were great. They were awesome. But I think I forgot about that because, you know, they also, I mean, I wasn't part of it, but they were also a joke. Like by the time, you know, uh, the Blitz and the next one, you know, people, you know, they, they were kind of like the punchline. Crocus was really? Like, yeah, they were punchline in the mid 80s. They became kind of like a joke band. And, uh, which was a shame because, uh, you know, but I, I you know, I kind of just gave up on this band. And if ever I was to put on a Crocus album, it's Headhunter, which is their best album. And that one, you know, I, I still think it's their best album. But man, it really made me forget about, you know, uh, this album and uh, uh, One Vice at a Time. I mean, both of those are great albums. And, and I want to thank James, man, because if it wasn't for him, I don't know how much longer I would have been gone, going away from these incredible songs that, yeah, they're they're kind of dated in a way, but I don't give a fuck. I love dated shit that I loved as a kid. Anyway, so that's what I that's how I discovered Crocus through this album WSHE, and then they played another. That, there was actually two songs from this album that was played on the radio, but I'll get into that when we get into. It. So you tell us how you discovered Crocus and this album. Yeah. Well, uh. Well, this album I definitely discovered with this review. I mean, I had I have the whole Crocus catalog uh, through Mr. X, but I, I mean, I fully admit I've never really checked into it that much. I believe in the late 90s, early 2000s, I bought a Crocus Greatest Hits. And I think even then I just listened to a few songs. But I remember them because they were kind of on their way down when I first started getting into metal. Like, you know... I think Change of Address had come out around the time I was getting into Hard Rock. So I think I might have seen the video for Ballroom Blitz and their cover of School's Out. And then you really didn't see them on MTV at all. And I would see them, you know, here and there in Hit Parader, uh, you know, or Circus, you know, all the shit I was buying at the time. You would see little articles on them. Um, and I'll never forget, you know, I very vividly remember skipping... Uh, walking out of a high school dance my freshman year, going to Murray Mensa's house. I think we went and smoked weed. And uh, he had just bought Heart Attack on cassette. 
and we listened to it, but it was very much like in the background. Like we're talking and joking around, like none of it's registering with me. And I didn't remember anything standing out. So I never really, uh, you know, delved into Crocus. And I think I bought that CD just because I saw it used at a store. I was like, hey, I remember these guys from the 80s. Maybe I need to get into it. And for whatever reason, it didn't grab me. And uh, then, you know, this is episode, well, I don't know what it'll be when this airs, but currently we're up to around like 206 episodes or whatever. Our 40th episode was the Headhunter episode. Uh, and still after that, you know, I've, I've listened to Headhunter a couple of times, but never really uh, delved into their catalog. And as we were getting ready for this, and, and you will attest to this because you always like to do albums you know you don't have to study and I got up this morning, I had some shit to do. I was like, fuck, I gotta study this shit because I don't know it, you know? And I recently got all these records for my birthday because we're just a couple days after my birthday. And that's what I really want to listen to is all this vinyl that I got. But I've got to listen to this because we're going to review it. So sometimes that puts me in the wrong headspace, uh, you know, because I'm listening to it already with a, with a chip on my shoulder. And I'm listening to it. I'm, I'm doing stuff around the house. I was like, ah, you know, this is, you know, watered down ACDC. This isn't that great. God damn it. Why didn't somebody pick something I know? But I knew I couldn't just listen to it once. So I started listening to it more. And then I'm really starting to get into it. I was like, okay, stop being a fucking, you know, uh, curmudgeon and just fucking enjoy it. And it really grew on me. And there's, there's some albums that I, I'm not familiar with. A lot of times I put them on my phone so I can listen to them no matter what I'm doing or where I'm going. And But I know right after the review I'm going to take it off. But this is one I was like, I'm leaving this fucking one on. And, uh, you, you know, they, they are one of those weird, like, lower tier bands. You know, something like in my generation, I would compare them to, like, Bang Tango. And not musically by any means, so, you know, don't freak out there. But what I mean is, you know, they're a band that might have had one hit or two hits, but they just never made it over that hump. They were always an opening band, and then within a couple years, they were gone, at least in the States. Uh, you know, I know they're bigger over in Europe and stuff, but uh, they are one of those lost classic bands. And I'm sure there's a lot of like, oh, yeah, they love Crocus. Obviously, this guy loves Crocus. And... I was just looking up James Crowder because the name, I'm kind of like, I know it, but I don't know it. And he's not on our Facebook page, but this is the same guy that picked out the uh, Iced Earth episode last year. So this guy, I, I don't know why you're not on our page. Maybe you're not a Facebook guy or whatever, but you still listen to the show. But he's into some underground shit, and that's fucking awesome. Yeah. So, uh... Without further ado, let's get into it. All right. Uh, I'll take the first track because it's special. It's a special track to me. Uh, I remember it vividly, too, being in my bedroom when I lived with my parents, listening. I would listen to She all the time. And uh, I used to have an 8-track recorder back then. I would record the radio on 8-track. And uh, they played Heat Strokes. And I was like, oh, my God, this song is awesome. And when they were playing it, they didn't announce who it was. And back in those days, you'd call the radio station and it wouldn't be busy. So I called up and I was like, man, who is that you're playing now? I was like, oh, a band called Crocus. I was like, Crocus? And I remember 
writing it down on a on a piece of paper, crocus with a C. You know, cro <laughs> crocus. I go, I gotta look for this band, crocus. And then like, I don't know, like uh, the, later that night or the next day or it was uh, soon after, I called the radio station with my A track ready, and I called them. I go, hey man, can you guys please play crocus, uh, heat strokes? And he's like, okay, uh, it's, it'll be coming up within the hour. I said, okay, great. So I'm there with uh, with my my A track ready to go. And I didn't remember the intro because the intro starts kind of like it fades in. So it was like, da -da -da -da. then when it runs into that, right when I hear Mark Sirachi's voice, I was like, oh shit, that's Crocus. And I press record. And I'll never forget that A track had that song like, you know, midway through the first verse. But I would play that A track a lot, you know, and I was like, God, this song, you know, the more I listened to it, the more I was like, I need to get Crocus. This is so cool. So that I went to the record store and I went to the C section. I was like, I ain't got no Crocus, you know? So then, you know, I just went through the all the other stuff. And oh yeah, and I remember too, actually getting the album name. I remember the DJ, I asked him that. What's the name of the album? Metal Rendezvous. Oh, oh, it has metal in the title. Dude, <laughs> even like, uh, I'll, I'll even go fast forward a little bit. How special it was in those days that when Pyromania came out, came out and they released a single for Rock of Ages, the, you know, the part where he goes, I want rock and roll. That was special. It's like he mentions rock and roll, but you mentioned metal. That's like above that, you know, it's like the metal gods, you know, shit like that. When you, you'd hear the word metal in the song, you're like, fuck it. So I was like, I gotta get this album. So I got, I got, I, then, you know, that day, that same day where it was, I went to the C section, I went, you know, all the way to the case. I looked through everything and I found it. I was like, oh my God. It's for the K, you know, it's for <laughs> Crocus, you know, it's like, they got it, you know, Metal Rendezvous. So I uh, ran home, put it on, because back then I can only afford one album at a time. So I used to cut lawns. And um, yeah, dude, I remember putting this album on back then. And this is when I was 15, 14, 15 years old. Loving it. I mean, I loved it. I was like, this is so cool. You know, then I got, you know, all these other 80s albums. And through the years, it kind of took a backseat to all this stuff. Unfortunately, no reason. There's no reason for it. But I did do that. And, like, when you told me, oh, this guy wants to listen to Metal Rendezvous, the first thing that pops in my head was, like, oh, man, I used to love that album. You know, but, you know, and then when I put it on to, to you know, to get reacquainted for this review... Man, song after song, I was like, I remember loving this shit. Why the fuck have I been avoiding this shit? And uh, I was just so happy. I was like, God damn, James rules, man. That's why I was like, man, I wonder who the fuck requested this. <laughs> because this guy really, really reopened my love for this album and band. Because, you know, I, I haven't listened to one bite at a time, but I plan on doing it today, you know. <clears throat> so, yeah. Uh, I, I love heat strokes. That that middle section with the guitars going back and forth. Da -da 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 -da, that shit was so like, dude. That shit's extreme metal for 1980. I mean, that was the shit. Now you listen to it, yeah, it's like more rock and roll, ACDC. But ACDC was fucking heavy, fucking metal in 1980, big time. And this was metal. This was pure metal. And listening to his back, it's kind of like, kind of upsets me a little, saying. It sucks how this has been diluted 
and demoted into like hard rock or whatever. Because I remember when this shit was metal, and you know what, man? I'm putting my foots down and saying, fuck it, this shit's metal. It's still, it'll always be metal to me. I love Heat Strokes. And it's, uh, there's three songs on this album <coughs> that I saw them play live. And of course, this was one I seen them play live constantly. This was on every, because I've seen Crocus a total of four times. Saw them open for Rainbow. I saw them open for Def Leppard on Headhunter. And then on the Blitz, I saw them open for Kiss twice because Kiss played Sunrise two shows on the Animalized tour. So I've seen them a total of four times. And all four times, uh, they played Heat Strokes. And, uh, but, you know, and there's two other songs they played on this album. No, actually three other songs I've seen them play live. The, uh, you know, what my memory recalls, you know. But enough of Heat Strokes. What do you think of it? Uh, well, you know, there's a bunch of things I got to comment on this. First of all, do you remember what you paid for this? What what did a record go for back then? Do you remember? Yes. Okay. Yes, seven ninety nine. Okay, I was just gonna say seven ninety nine because I see a lot of old ads that seem to be like the standard price for a vinyl back then. <laughs> God, I wish it was that now. Holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> those that... yeah those same vinyls I bought for seven ninety nine is probably like five times the price now. Those original press. Right. Or more. Uh, but another thing, you know, it, it's funny because as I'm listening to this, I'm thinking like, man, this is much more hard rock than it is heavy metal. Uh, you know, and I would think, I think they went, you know, more of a metal sound with, uh, you know, with stuff like Headhunter. But, you, you know, to listen, you know, uh, Bill Wang always says this when we have him on the show. He's like, oh, you know, this shit was metal. And I, I, I guess it was back then. You know, I, I listened to it with different ears because I didn't grow up with it. So now to me to hear it is hard rock more, you know, I, you know, I think this is much more akin to hard rock than metal, you know, like a Sabbath or a priest. Uh, but I can see where, you know, if it was fresh to you at that time, you know, compared to what's on the radio, like Ambrosia and shit like that, you know, this is fucking metal. And like you said, it does have metal in the title. Yeah, you know, I mean, at that time it was... Ario, Sticks, Journey, Foreigner. You know, that to me is hard rock. When you listen to this compared to that, <laughs> you think metal. You know, at the uh, time. At the time. It's like, this, does, this doesn't sound like, you know, those AOR bands that were considered hard rock. Kansas, Boston. You know, this, is, this has more of an edge. More of a, you know, and yeah, of course, it doesn't sound like it anymore now. But back then, this was fucking heavy metal, man. Well, you know, compared to REO, Poison is metal. But uh, I digress. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm listening to this, and this is the one that I was familiar with off the album. And I think there might be a couple of songs off this that are actually on that CD that I'd, I'd have to dig it out. But this is the one I was like, oh, yeah, I remember Heat Strokes. Uh, a fun ACDC ripoff. You can definitely tell where they're going. It's kind of a poor man's ACDC but I like it. Uh, it is a great song. This was the second single off the album. And another thing I wanted to ask you, uh, since you have this on, do you still have your vinyl out? I, uh, no, I can go grab it if you want. Well, I was just curious to see, is it on Areola Records? No, it was on Arista. <laughs> Arista, that's right. They were on Arista in the States. Well, I could Arista. be wrong. Let me go grab it. I could be wrong. Yes, Arista Records. Yeah, uh, yeah, Arista, yeah. 
<laughs> he had me bouncing around. Arista. I think that's another problem that this band had because, uh, you know, Arista had some, uh, you know, big name acts in the 80s, but they weren't known as a metal label. Label. It was like, you know, it's kind of like uh, Armored Saint being on Chrysalis. Yeah, if, I, think, you know, I think they had like Christopher Cross or something. Right, you know, but and they had like no idea, you know, it wasn't the label for a band like this. So I could see why they didn't get the push that a lot of other bands did. But uh, but yeah, as I was looking at that, it was originally on a label like called Areola, and all I'm thinking in my head is like, wow, what did their labels look like? Because I mean, you know, as, as a you know kid of the '70s and '80s, each label had I mean had their own distinct on the record, you know, had their own. Simple, you know, I love the, the old Kiss records, you know, the Casablanca with the desert and everything, and you know, Warner Brothers. A lot of them were green with the big WB, and you know, A and M had the logo when it was kind of beige and shit. But a label called Areola, I'm just like, was it a big nipple? You know, was it like a titty yeah. and like the like the hole where the record went was the nipple, and they just didn't show it? I was like, oh, there's so much you could do with that. But uh. But uh, back to the song. No, I dig it, man. I, I dig it. And this is one, yeah, they always play live. It's on all the greatest hits, all the live albums. Uh, a, a fun song. Yes, they do borrow a lot from ACDC, uh, but there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you're going to borrow from somebody, at least borrow from a good band. So so no problems there. I, I got I got to read this, dude. This is, this takes me way back. Uh, you know, the as, the as the album cover, it's two cars that are crashed. Right. But if you turn the album, the back of that jacket, it has a, a police report of the accident. I gotta, read, <laughs> I gotta read this because I totally forgot about this. Police report: traffic accident with property damage, produced by Martin Pierlin and Crocus. Excu- uh, ex- executive producer, you know, dollar sign, engineer, blah 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 blah. And then it says cause, uh, date of accident: 10 11 1979. Road and atmosphere conditions: foggy. Uh, main main secondary road inside outside the limit speed limit 40 miles per hour uh, located location accident studio platinum one Switzerland type of accident metal rendezvous cause of accident 100,000 percent of rock and roll in the blood <laughs> <laughs> oh man that is a slice of pizza all into itself and then it's and then then it's kind of like a dig at themselves i guess without even noticing under that it says details of accident all songs written by crocus (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty cool dude i mean it goes on but that's the funny part and i do remember reading this as a kid going one thousand percent of rock and roll in the blood fuck yeah Oh That's man, awesome. yeah, man, and this album's awesome, dude. I, I, I really, dude, James, I can't thank you enough. This may be, I gotta say, the one review out of every single review we've ever done that's made me really reopen my eyes to something that I totally forgot. What and and I blame it on the awesomeness of 1980 that I've been avoiding this album. All right, uh, Ian, why don't you take the next track, Bedside Radio? Bedside Radio. This was the first single off the album. Uh, and man, here you got ACDC, Kiss, and Cheap Trick all rolled into one. Uh, this is just a really catchy fucking song. One that they've always, you know, kept in the set list. Well, at least you see it on all the collections and a lot of the live albums. Uh, 
And they, they even reunited uh, on TV and they played three songs off this album. They played uh, Heat Strokes, Bedside Radio, and Tokyo Nights when they did like a big reunion thing with, you know, with this old lineup. And uh, just a fun fucking song. And, and this is one, you know, like as I'm listening to it, you know, I'm like, okay, this is definitely like a hard rock, but you hear like the 70s, the, the fun, heavy rock side uh, on this one. And it's just, if, if you like that kind of stuff, you know, like if you've never checked out Crocus, you know, but you like that kind of 70s rock, you're going to love this song. And another thing that uh, we haven't mentioned yet, this is the first album with Mark Storacci on yeah. vocals. Yes. They had three before this, and they alternated who was singing. The guy who plays bass on this album, on the previous album, was the singer. Chris Von the, Orb or something like that. Yeah, and on the album before that, he was the drummer before he played bass. Yep. And uh, the other guitar player, Tommy Kiefer, not to be <laughs> confused with Tom Kiefer from Cinderella, but he sang on the second album. I forget who sang on the first album. But this is where they really, you know, they found their sound. Of course, you know, you think Crocus, you think Mark Storacci's vocals. But this is a band, they've had about as many members as fucking L.A. Guns and Deep Purple. I mean, uh, you're hard-pressed to find two Crocus albums that have the same two members, or, you know, all the same lineup and shit. But uh, this was a big jump forward for them. And I think, you know, on later albums, they, they would become what they were just because, you know, they would gel a lot more with Mark and everything. But he just came in, they did this, and it was recorded... Uh, like you said on the back of the album in 79 October, November 79 was released in June of 1980 so you can hear like 70's rock and roll influence on this shit definitely and this one's a perfect example and I, I just think it's a fun song I dig it what do you think? yeah and this is the, the, another, the other song on the album that they would play on the radio and as I recall back then this was uh the second single they played on the radio because he'd stroked his first. And uh, uh, this one, I think this one, uh, listening to this song, it's got that, I don't know, I, I hear record company pressure in this too. Like, uh, re you know, record a song for the chicks, you know? And uh, it has that element, you know, that, that would bring in those early 80s chicks. But it really didn't. It, you know, it's as poppy as they can get with the tools these guys had. Uh, I never really hated this song, but it wasn't like one of my favorites, but I, I contribute this song uh, as a major factor of me not going back to this album, uh, which is wow. a shame, yeah. Um, don't hate it, but yeah, this is another song. I don't recall them playing this on uh, on the previous two tours, you know, the Kiss and the Def Leppard, but I vividly remember them playing this on One Vice at a Time with Rainbow. I do remember they played this song. And right, well, by the time they were open up for Kiss, they were more in the metal vein, and this is definitely, definitely not in the metal vein. Yeah, it, yeah, it was it was a failed attempt, you know, to break. It didn't really work. Uh, and I remember One Vice at a Time, the only thing I ever heard of One Vice at a Time, and they played it ad nauseum, was their cover of American Woman no. on the radio, and it just never worked. But, right. but, um, but yeah, listening to it today... I was like, God, there's such a killer innocence to this too. You know, it's you know, it's fun. I listen to it now. It's like I appreciate it more than I did back then. 
because you know I had to put this aside with you know rapid fire and you know fucking uh, you know heavy metal thunder and shit like that. It's like nah, this ain't in the same league. But now you know listening back, uh, you know for nostalgic reasons, it's like nah, I appreciate this song way more than I did back then. It's a fun song. It's a fun rocking tune. I dig it. I'll go to the next one. <clears throat> Come on. Man, this one takes me way back. Way back. I haven't heard this in so fucking long. And I love this song. I remember this one uh, played live uh, when I saw them open for Rainbow 2. It's like probably the second song after uh, Long Stick Goes Boom. It's a cool rocking tune that I totally forgot about. Thank you so much, James. God damn. I want to thank you uh, for donating, you know, and making me blow the dust off this fucking album. Uh, and again, this is just such a pure innocence to this song and album. Smoking guitar solo, catchy riff. And I love that, you know, come on, come on to the place where the evil dies. Come on, come on to the stage of the other sky. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my God, fuck yeah. I totally forgot how much this song fucking rules. Thank you, James. Come on is awesome. Totally forgot about this. And boy, this will be on my regular rotation for now on. Thank you again, James. <laughs> what do you think? Come on. Uh, I like it. Not as much as you. Uh, but, uh, you know, to me, it's filler, but it's harmless because it's not it's not bad. Uh, spoiler alert. I really don't think there's a bad song on here. There's just a couple uh, that I like less than everything else, but there's not one song that makes me like, uh, okay, this is where you lost me. And another thing you got to keep in mind is I listened to this like three and a half times this morning. Uh, so my opinion, you know, probably will change on some songs. I like it, but, uh, there's just, there's a lot of stuff on here. I like a lot more, than it. but it's a good song. All right. Take the next one. All right, the next song is the one of two epics on this album because there's a couple I would I would throw that epic tag on, or at least you know that's what they're going for. Uh, streamer, and uh, you know it's it's got the power ballad feel to it, uh, and and I, I dig it. I, I think it's a good song. I think they would they would build on this later, you know, with songs like you know Screaming in the Night and stuff like that. Uh, that are better songs that are more effective, but you already see them like reaching for that sound. And it, it's something they can do. It's definitely in their wheelhouse and they do it well. I just think I've heard them do it better, but it's still a good song. Uh, but it's one of those, you know, when it goes into these, you know, when you see what they're reaching for, I can't help but think of screaming in the night and wishing I was listening to that, but I still dig this song. I think it's a good track. What do you think? Love it, dude. I love, again, another song that took me way back. I was like, holy shit, I remember this one. It's like, this is like, to me, like a power ballad before it was tainted. Uh, it, there's, It's more real than your, you know, don't know what you got and, uh, well, you know, every rose and all that shit. This one has more of a European flavor to it, like Scorpions. You know, you can hear like, the influence of stuff like We Burn the Sky from the Scorps on this song. There, I hear a lot of, you know, you talk about ACDC. I think ACDC 
was more on the next album. This album is very Scorpions. And I, I hear a lot of Uli uh, influence on this album, the Uli era. And uh, great, great guitars. I love the guitars on this. I love the vocals, the melodies. And there's just something p so pure about this, you know? This shit is untainted. This is, you know, no preservatives, you know? It does not It does not follow that power uh, ballad formula. You know, it, it, to me, it's like, you know, just like the early Scorpions ballads, you know? It's like, this is that type of ballad. And uh, it's like a European um, flavor to this ballad. And I absolutely love it. I love streaming. I totally forgot about Goddamn, I'm going to say thanks to James on every goddamn track on it. <laughs> All right, I'll take the next Good. one. I'll take the next one, which I don't know if you caught on to this one. Sh uh, Shy Kid? Yes. Oh, my God. Do you, do you hear? He listened. Did you make out the blatant ripoffs on this song? No. Oh, wait. Till, now listen to it again. Dude, he blatantly rips off uh, Bon Scott on this song. The opening line is right on. It's the same fucking, uh, it's another lonely evening when a woman gets me down. The whole line is there. And then they add their own lyrics. And then the second verse starts with another line from right on. You know, another empty bottle, another empty head. Uh, and I was like, holy shit, you know? And I remembered this. I was like, Oh my God, that's right. I can't fucking believe I forgot all about this song the where they rip off Bon Scott. You know, because they totally rip off the lines on, uh, they, they blatant, I mean, it's blatant, dude. <laughs> word for word. Uh, <laughs> it's like news of the moment. Yeah, yeah. Or, or pick of the moment. Pick, uh, of, the pick moment. of the moment and current <laughs> events on uh, the Terrence and Mark experience. What an experience that was, huh? <laughs> But yeah, dude, it's still cool. It's, you know, it, you know, rip off aside, it's a fun song. I dug it. And, and yeah, go back and listen to the song. You're going to laugh at these lines, at the lines they got from her. And as I look, as I look at the album, I see no credits to Bon Scott, you know? <laughs> it's a shame, but yeah, man, fuck yeah. Uh, fun, fun little ditty, total filler, but I love it. What do you think? Yeah, well, you, you got it right about the filler. This would be my least favorite track on the album, but it's only two minutes and 33 seconds, so at least it realizes that there's not a lot of places to go with this. So uh, I, I give it points just for that, like knowing when to call it a day. Uh, again, not a horrible song, but, uh, you know, not not memorable. Not bad, but not memorable. Definitely my least favorite song on the album. All right, flip it over. All right, we flip this motherfucker over and we go to what was the, uh, I believe, yes, the third single off this album. Now, it might have been, uh, you know, you said you heard Heat Strokes first. So it could have been like, this is the order that was released in fucking Sweden, where they're from. And then the States was in a different order. Uh, but this was the third single off the album and one that's still is in the set list. Uh, they play this often. I love this song. I, I think it's great. I dig this as much as they dig the police. And, and you could definitely hear, uh, you know, when they go into the reggae parts on it and stuff. And it's not overbearing. It doesn't ruin the song. I think it complements it very well. I, I think great use of it. But there was a lot of rock bands that were doing this around this time. 
And I think you could credit it a lot more to the police than you could Bob Marley, uh, really, because, I mean, obviously people had heard reggae and stuff like that, but the police kind of, you know, they came out of nowhere and made it chic, and, you know, it was like the cool thing to do. I mean, you heard stuff like even, uh, you know, Jefferson Starship with Jane has that, that reggae breakdown and stuff, you know, but the police really knocked down that door, and you see other bands picking up on it, uh, you know, Rush did it too with, you know, stuff like Vital Signs and stuff, um, and, and other songs, but, uh, but I, I think it, it's a fun rocker, a great way to start side two, starts it off with a solid track, and, out of all the singles, I don't know. It, it, it's be neck and neck for this, and Heat Strokes is my favorite. I think I might like Tokyo Nights a little bit more. I really dig it. What do you think? Well, I do. It's my favorite track on the album, and man, uh, I don't hear. I know what you're saying about the police, a little reggae segment, but this shit reeks, reeks of total Scorpions worship. Uh, the 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 vocal melody lines, the the riffage. You know, it just goes into that little reggae section that reminds me more of uh is uh is anybody out there or somebody out there yeah. from the scorpions and the police this is total uh scorps uh um uh, worship and i do remember vividly them not playing this live with def leppard and kiss the only time i saw them play it live was with rainbow and absolutely love the song in my top five easily of all-time favorite uh focus songs i absolutely love talking Nights, and even back then you know, I was very well aware of, uh, by this time, uh, I was aware of Animal Magnetism and Love Drive. I haven't heard Tokyo Tapes. I think it was maybe my next Scorpions album. But I remember back then going, dude, this is total Scorpions. Well, you know, you, you bring up a great point with that. Because there is that, like, funkiness uh, of the Uli John Roth era. And, uh, I mean... Look how blatantly they ripped off Bon Scott's lyrics. You know, Tokyo Nights. It could have been, oh, Tokyo Tapes. Ah, oh, we'll call it Tokyo Nights, and we'll do a little Uli yeah. John Roth. So, you know, you, you you could be more on the spot there with the influence. I mean, if you want to talk about total ripoff of ACDC, listen to the next album, Long Stick Goes Boom. That is, like, <laughs> the most... Even the way it starts, it's like, oh, my God. You, you It's like one of those things where, you, you know, you put on uh, Long Stick Goes Boom, the first thing you think is like, oh shit, an ACDC song. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's another song coming up on here that that's a total ACDC ripoff too. Okay. Well, I'll go. I'll go to the next one, Lady Double Dealer. Uh, this is pure '70s hard rock right here. Fun, innocent, rock and fucking roll. You know, hearing this song back, uh, you know, it just dude, it grew hair on my chest like Mark Sirachi, man. Uh, you know, another one I have not heard in ages. And it may sound dated to those who were not there, but to me, this song is like a diamond in the rough. And I'm telling you, man, now I'm putting this album on in regular rotation. Again. And I don't even know if I have this shit on my iPod. I think I may have just put Tokyo Nights and Heat Strokes uh, without like listening to the rest. Like, man, man, thank you, James. I forgot so much about it. And this is another song I was like, oh man, I remember this one. This is awesome. So what do you think of D Lady Double Dealer? Uh, I, I think they ought to change your name to Rip Off because Lady Double Dealer here, you know, uh, Deep Purple's got Lady Double Dealer on fucking... Uh, Come and taste the bag. Uh, 
Uh, no, Lady Double Dealers on uh, uh, Stormbringer. Stormbringer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I love this song. This is this is fun '70s hard rock right here. Uh, you know, nothing more, nothing less, and there's nothing wrong with that. This is just a great, fun, rocking track. And uh, man, I almost—I don't know. I, I'm well, spoiler. I might enjoy side two more than side one, man. Uh, uh, I, I think they're really firing off right here, and a great follow-up. Uh, you know, coming off of Tokyo Nights great fucking track but uh i'll take the next one which is my favorite track on the album and that is fire and i fucking dig the shit out of the song this this is the what i would consider the second epic on the album uh you know where streamer is more of a power ballad but you know this is like a six minute track too that has some nice changes and i it just has a little bit of everything on this fucking song and it all fucking works I mean, I mean, there's to me, there's not a bum note in this fucking song, and uh, it's even at six minutes and seven seconds, it doesn't overstay its welcome. Uh, everything fits perfectly, and it's just a great fucking hard rock track, man. I love Fire, definitely my favorite. Yep, another one, another one. I was like, oh my god, I remember this one. This is awesome, and man, you know, listening to the song, I can't help but notice. A lot of idiots back in the day listen with their eyes, not their ears, because listen to these vocals on this song. I mean, Mark is amazing, dude. But Mark had a Mark had a Jufro. He had gaffed teeth and liked showing off his hairy chest. It wasn't like the, the, the most, uh, uh, you know, uh, eye candy front man in the world. So do you think that's why they were considered like a joke? Was it more that than it was the music? It was more the appearance? Yes, totally. Uh, okay. They were ugly. You know, they were not. <laughs> they were an ugly band. I mean, think about it. They, they actually brought in, I believe his name was Freddie Steady to get like some, some good looking dude in the band. Yeah, he's the drummer, Freddie Steady. Freddie Steady and I think the rhythm player too. They got... Uh, but then, you know, I mean, when they came to the, when they replaced the bass player, you know, the main guy in the band right. uh, in the early days, which, by the way, you can see videos of those lineups. They actually made videos back then. Uh, black and white videos, really uh, primitive looking shit of early ass croakers. It's on YouTube. Uh, and it's pretty cool stuff. You know, I ended up gathering some of that stuff. I got... Uh, the one, well, I think I had Mark Sirachi's The one with Smelly Nelly. I think that was called Hardware. I think that came out after this one. Yeah, Hardware's next album. Yeah, which was not promoted at all because back in the day, I always thought One Vice at a Time was the next album. But um, uh, what do you call? God, I love Mark's voice on this song. It made me, like, you know, reappreciate how amazing that guy was. And uh, I think he is overlooked because of his looks. You know, because I think the guy's got a great, a unique voice. One of those voices you hear, you're like, oh, that's Mark Str That's I don't hear Bon Scott. Everybody's like, oh. Yeah, I don't I don't either. Yeah, everybody's like, he would have been perfect. You know, I, I, he sounds like Mark Storacci to me. He doesn't sound like Bon Scott. He doesn't sound like Brian Johnson. He sounds like Mark Storacci, you know. And uh, I mean, I can hear his voice blending good with ACDC. It would be a good voice for the band. But I, I just don't hear it, you know. And a lot of people back then, when Bon Scott died, he was considered. Uh, Mark Sirachi was considered uh, to be the singer. And uh, 
And I'm sure there were people back then that, like from England and and, and Sweden, that that uh, when Brian Johnson joined the band, they were bitching like people are bitching about Axel now, saying it should be Mark. So him joining ACDC would be a mistake. But uh, oh yeah, Fire, great song. Yeah, amazing song. Yeah, probably my second favorite. Uh, but yeah, it takes me back. Now, um, what's the name of the next one? No, no way. Uh, no way. Yeah, no way. It's it's a uh, it's a fun rocker in the same vein as Fire. Uh, this is the last track, right, on the album? No, no. Oh fuck! What is it then? The last song is Backseat Rock and Roll. Oh, okay, okay. Yes, I remember that one. See, I didn't hear that today, but I remember that one. So I'm not going to give you a definitive, uh, but I do remember that title. But uh, this one reminds me a lot of uh, of Fire. You know, it's got that simple changes, a simple riff, but it's got these sharp hooks. You know, it's like hooky. It has these hooks that I really love, and it's, it's a killer fucking track. And uh, I love it, man. What do you think? All right, no way. No way, fuck yes way. This is my second favorite song on the album, and what a fucking album track. This is one I can tell right away. Uh, you, know, you know, sometimes you listen to albums, especially, uh, you know, back in the old days when there was more of, like, singles, and there and there was the video, you know, there'd be the one, oh, I love that song, and you get it, and you play that song over and over, until uh, you get sick of that one and then you explore the album more and you find out another song is your favorite and it's usually one that wasn't released as a single you know it doesn't suffer the burnout factor I can tell already this is that song on the album this one caught me immediately and on each repeat listen I loved it more and more I really fucking dig No Way second favorite song on the album awesome take the last one all right, now this is the one I was kind of hinting to earlier. This is ACDC through and fucking through. And this was the B-side of the first single, uh, Bedside Radio. Uh, I love it, though. I, I mean, it's total ACDC ripoff, but done right. And to me, it's a perfect way to end the fucking album. They did re-record this song on their uh, 2017 covers album, Big Rocks. Uh, I haven't heard that version yet, but uh, I love the version. I don't see how they can make it better. I'm kind of scared to listen to it now because I think it's perfect as is. Total ACDC worship, but a lot of fun and, and a great way to end it. And uh, This is one of those albums, very rare. It seems there's a lot of albums I like side one more and side two I kind of tune out on. Um, this this whole album, you know, like I said, there's not one where I'm like, oh, what a turd, you know. But come on, and shy kid would be my least favorite, and I actually love everything on side two. I think backseat rock and roll, a fucking great way to end this album. And again, this is something I'm leaving in my rotation on my phone. And um, and thank you, James. You gotta give him some credit. What do you think of this one? Yeah, uh, I, this was one I didn't listen to this morning, and you, uh, I, I, it takes a lot of pee breaks, and I always edit out a show. So while he took his pee break now, I ran on YouTube to, to listen to this song. And uh, yeah, this one I agree with you. Total ACDC. And it's funny because when I went to YouTube to see it, to my surprise, they made a video to this song. And holy fuck, I can't wait to end this review so I can watch it because 
It, wow. looked, it looks cheesy as fuck. They're in a fucking junkyard jamming. You know, oh, and it's, you know, it's a 1980 video. Dude, you make a music video in 1980, I don't care how crappy the song is, I'm gonna love the video. And I'm like, <laughs> holy shit, this is cool, you know? And, I, and it came back and I was like, all right. I remember this song, yeah, this is total ACDC worship on here. I think it's the only one that sounds like ACDC to me. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's a good fun rocker, but it was, I gotta say it's my least favorite though. Uh, I, I like all the other songs. And Come On is one of my favorite songs here, actually. Uh, Come on, Heat Strokes, Tokyo Nights, and uh, and the and the two prior to this. Those are my favorite tracks. But I mean, it's good for what it is. But you know, it ends the album, and, and that's all to it. I like every song before this, but yeah, it's it's a little too ACDC for me. You know, uh, where you know I, I like my ACDC with my ACDC. So <laughs> so there you go. Uh, that's our review of Metal Rendezvous, and I know James. You're going to be happy with this review, bro. Because I think we both put a lot into it. I know I did. And Ian, hey, oh, look yeah. at Ian. He had to study this. I just had to be reacquainted with it. Yeah. And and no, I'm, I'm happy to study this. And whenever we release this one, I am going to think of something really creative uh, to put in the title <laughs> to attract listeners. I'm going to add a little something because when we did our, um, you know, our first or, well, our only other Crocus review, Headhunter, uh, really wasn't a big episode because Crocus are like kind of an underground band. And if this is the same James Carruthers, see, uh, last year came up as James Kevin Carruthers for the Iced Earth episode, and this year it came up James Carruthers, but I'm sure you're the same dude. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't see you on Facebook. You're not in the group. Uh, you know, you could be in witness protection. I totally understand. Hey, fuck it. You listen to the show, you donate. You, you got my love. Uh, but an episode I was really upset that didn't do well was the Iced Earth one. Because that was another one. Dude, I did not know. They were always one of those bands. It's like, yeah, I had Mr. X give me all the albums, but I never checked them out. And that, that Storm Rider album, man, that really fucking... You know, some sometimes there's these fan request albums I never want to hear again, and then there's other ones like, man, why didn't I listen to that more? And you did that, brother, with with the Iced Earth, and I I truly think if if more of our listeners, because I I know what they like, they like the good shit, they like some shit too, but they like some good shit, and I I think this is one that if our listeners checked out, I'd give it more than one spin. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people would enjoy this album, especially people that are more, like, in, in the hard rock vein. Uh, this is just some really good fucking rock and roll, man. And and I applaud you, uh, brother, for picking this one. Hell yeah. This is a, probably the best pick ever, if you ask me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you picked an album I absolutely love, all you people, and we pick albums. But, man, to pick an album that I totally forgot how awesome it was, it really, it, you, you just made my fucking day, dude. Seriously. I mean, I've always, like, every time somebody brings up Crocus, I always say, yeah, Headhunter and Metal Rendezvous is really good. But I would always say that, but I would never go back and listen to it. And now this guy made me do it, and I'm like, god damn. I totally forgot how amazing. I think this album's downright amazing. And it really reopened my eyes to how amazing and overlooked this great uh, Sweden band is. Or Swiss band. Uh, God, I love Crocus now, dude. 
And now I got now I got to listen to one device at a time. Uh, I, I know I know I'm thinking about I'm thinking about doing that myself. I'm like, hmm, where should I go next? I got hardware which I bought like maybe two years ago used, and I might have slapped it on once and probably you know it was one of those days I was cleaning around my house, didn't really study, but. I do remember Smelly Nelly. I remember that song. Yeah, I, I know. I even looked. I was like, "Is there really a song called Smelly Nelly?" And yep. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I got, I got. I'm, I'm just gonna make a day out of uh, crocus, cro- these crocus vinyls I have. I have like four or five of them that I'm just gonna put one on after the other because this is good shit, dude. This is great, and especially this album. Shit, I might like this more than Headhunter now because it, it <laughs> just took me back. You know, it's like. Oh my God! It, re- it just—it reminds me of those days in my mo- in my bedroom with my eight-track recorder and my little record player that had shitty speakers and listening to my albums on that. And, and this was one I played a lot in 1980, but I think about 81 I stopped listening to it. It just remembered like, oh, Tokyo Nights, Heat Strokes. You know, that's it. That's the only good songs on the album. So fucking wrong, dude. I couldn't be more wrong. And what's really weird is I do remember listening to like these songs. Come on, thinking I remember loving this back then. Why the fuck did I just stop loving these songs? It's weird. It must have been the drugs. <laughs> well, this album was released June 30th, 1980, uh, on Arista Records in the states, but Areola everywhere else. Ain't that a tit? Uh, produced by Mike Pearson and Crocus. Uh, this went on to sell over 150,000 copy- copies in Switzerland, which makes it triple platinum there. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, smaller country. Uh, but yeah, man, this, this was a lot of fun, man. And I, I, I know uh, I woke you up to do this one, so have you had time to have a pick of the week, or you want me yes, to? Yes, I have a pick of the week. Oh, oh. yeah. Oh, man, it is a great one, dude. My pick of the week this week is Metal Rendezvous by Crocus. This album rules. <laughs> Definitely my pick of the week. I'm not picking no other album on this episode. This motherfucker is my pick of the week. Thank you. Awesome. All right, well, I'm going to kind of stay in the same vein, maybe a little bit different, but uh, I'm going to pick what I think maybe is not the best album, but I think it's underrated, and I think it's fun to go back and visit. And that is ACDC's Blow Up Your Video. Uh, that was the first ACDC album that I waited for. Uh, you know, I'd heard a few songs on the radio when I first got into to hard rock and metal. Uh, Who Made Who had just came out. And I was like, oh man, this, this, this is amazing. This band rules. And so I was waiting for the next one, which was Blow Up Your Video. And I remember going to the record store and I got the poster. Uh, you know, the rocket coming up and Angus and, and everything had that in my bedroom. And I played the fucking shit out of that album. I mean, I really loved it. And then I kind of walked away from it. And as I became a bigger ACDC fan, of course, I got into other albums a lot more. But it's one of those ones, every time I put it on, it's it's still, you know, it has the feeling like what you, how you describe this album, Ralph, you know, because we were kind of, you know, I was a little bit younger, but, you know, around the same age. And it just takes me back to being in my room, staring at that poster, listening to these songs. And, uh, is that, and not, let me ask you, is that poster like Angus and the Rock and then there's little pictures of the band members under it? Yes, I like ha- in little I, squares. I still have that poster. 
Yeah, I, I yeah. Unfortunately, I don't. But yeah, I had that post that was on my bedroom, and uh, and uh, I was so excited. And uh, like I said, there's just something about it. I, I don't know. Even like the shit songs on it, I love every song on it. Even though I know it's not the best ACDC, there's just something I don't know charming about. It. I, I think it's just it's a personal album. It takes me back to a personal time. But I mean, it's fucking ACDC. Even if it's bad, it's ACDC. But I, I definitely think it's an overlooked album. Uh, it kind of brought them back up a little bit, you know, because it kind of faltered, at least, you know, in popularity-wise with uh, Flick of the Switch and Fly on the Wall. But man, you know, the Who Made Who, the Maximum Overdrive soundtrack, that was a big deal. A lot of people had that album and played the shit out of it. So there was kind of this buzz, and a lot of people liked... Uh, you know, Heat Seeker, and that's the way I like my rock and roll with the videos and the singles. And um, it's just a special time, man. It takes me back to the fucking late 80s and, and just falling in love with fucking hard rock and heavy metal and it being my new fucking drug. Uh, even though I had friends that were liking it too, like nobody was into it as much as me. And obviously that's why I'm doing this podcast that most of them don't even listen to this shit anymore. You know, you know, you know, me hard rock and heavy metal. You know, they've all grown up. I've never grown up. <laughs> you know, maybe a, you know, I'm gonna be a grandfather soon. I just turned 44, but I never fucking grew up. I still love this shit. It still makes me feel like a kid. I get excited when I hear this stuff, and uh, that's the feeling I get when I hear "Blow Up Your Videos." So that is my pick of the week. I I, I still feel like a kid, dude. I'm gonna feel more like a kid in eight in 18 years when your when your granddaughter turns 18. Uh, yeah, yeah, now you now you sound like Lee Gershman. He hey. always feels like a kid. Hey, He's like oh, I had a kid yesterday. I had a kid for lunch. As as I quote Wadzilla, comedy ain't pretty. <laughs> That's right. Funny's funny. Comedy's not pretty. Exactly. Your granddaughter <laughs> will be licking my ass. Hey, if I have anything to say about she's gonna be a lesbian. Comedy ain't pretty. <laughs> but I gotta, and I, and I know I told the story before, and it's a long story, so I'm gonna give a very compact version of the time I saw the blow up your video tour. Me and my buddy were on the way to see it. He ran a red light. He crashed into a car, totaled his car. Uh, I'm sitting on the side of the road. We, luckily, we didn't get hurt. Uh, I'm sitting on the side of the road, with my head in my hands, going, "Oh my God, I'm gonna miss ACDC." You know, we had a bottle of Jack. We, you know, we were drinking on the way there. And yeah, you know, it was drunk driving craziness. And I'm sitting on the side of the road, and then he runs up to me, going, "Dude, I got you a ride at the show." And I said, "Dude, I'm not leaving." And he goes, "You go." He goes, "You go. You go now to the show, or I'm gonna kick your fucking ass." And I was like, "Dude, I don't want to go." And I ended up going, uh, and I really didn't feel like going actually after that. You know, after such a bad accident, I, I kind of wasn't in the mood. I was depressed not seeing it, but I ended up going with a real strange person. Uh, took me to the show, and uh, one thing I vividly remember about that show was the show started with a rocket coming up from the stage and then blowing up right. and Agnes jumping out of the rocket. And I also remember them playing High Voltage for the first time I ever heard them do High Voltage. And then on the way back, oh yeah, and during the jack, the guy was rubbing my back. Hey, that rhymed. And, and I was like, well, dude, you know, what the fuck? You know, was like, this guy gay or something? And then the Hollywood Sportatorium was like, it was raining that night. His car got stuck in the mud. We got a bunch of like headbangers to help us get out of it. Then his car started overheating. We ended up at a gas station and there it's just dumb luck. While we're at the gas station, 
this long-haired dude comes up to me going, hey man, aren't you friend of Ronnie? And this dude actually, this is the time I had my record store. And Ronnie, my friend Ronnie took his buddy to my record store to buy records. And I said to him, bro, if you give me a ride home, you can have any album you want from my record store for free. So I ended up leaving that guy there. And he's like, hey. I was like, hey, dude, sorry, I'm, I'm out of here, you know. So that's my quick story. I mean, there's a lot more involved, but I just wanted to bring that up. Well, what a lot of people don't know is that guy uh, that was rubbing your back, his name was Andrew Jacobs. Well, oh, shit. <laughs> I did not know that. But, uh, yeah, and also, uh, speaking of that album, yeah, I, I love uh, Nick of Time on that album. Oh, yeah. And uh, This Is War. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I, I love those two songs. I remember, like, those two songs, the two singles, are the ones that really, like, I can only remember now. I don't remember, like, liking anything off that. I think Go Zone was okay. I, I can't remember. But uh, those four songs I really liked off that album. And I, I like that album more than Fly on the Wall. Uh, but okay, all right. So let's get uh, into fan of the week. Yes, and fan of the week. My the week. hero, James Carruthers. And uh, again, James, you, you are an anomaly. Uh, hello. Yeah. Okay. I'm just, uh, you are an anomaly because we don't see you on Facebook. I don't know that much about you, brother, but I know uh, you got good taste of podcasts and you got good taste in music. Hell yeah. And, uh, you know, for somebody who's not as active on, on, on Facebook or something to uh, to still make sure you've donated both years that we've been doing these these fundraisers for the Rock and Pot Expo, that means a lot. And, and you picked... Uh, two really incredible albums that really turned me on so thank you i mean i i love when i learn shit i mean i as much as i love turning people on to other music i love when other people turn me on to shit and uh this is awesome and, uh, if there's any way that you can get on facebook you know do it because if you join the page Man, you should keep posting your taste because I think you can turn a lot of people out to some good shit. Fuck it. I, I want them on the show. And, and, and there you go. That's a great idea. And you, you definitely made Ralph's day because when I first called her, you know, we got a time we usually do it on Sundays. And uh, he's not there. I call him. He doesn't answer. And he called me. And uh, I always like, oh, yeah, he's, he's like, oh, we're doing it. Oh, and what are we doing? I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. I can tell he hasn't woke up. Man, when Ralph called me, he was in the best fucking mood and so happy. And, yeah. and so that's awesome. So just that you not only did you turn me on to a great album, but you brought this much joy to Ralph today and made him rediscover, you know, part of his childhood. Fucking A, dude. That's a great fucking pick. It's like, it's like you put on a jacket. And you find a hundred bucks in the pocket. You're like, whoa, that's what it felt like this morning. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe I rejected these killer songs for all the, I'm talking decades, dude, going on 40 years. I haven't listened to this fucking album in its entirety. It's crazy, man. Awesome. I, I consider him like, kind of like the Winslow Leach of the Rock and Metal <laughs> Combat Podcast. He's the Phantom. He comes into the paradise and he blows shit up. Fuck yeah, James. Hell yeah. My hero. Thank you, brother. All right, well, let's get into the plugs. Ear Peeler. 
the podcasting and interview news site to keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear. Go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8 p.m. UK time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Hey, rock music fans. This is Terrence Reardon of the Terrence Reardon and Friends Audiovisual Podcast. Join yours truly as I... Look every week at a different classic rock or metal album that had a major impact on my life. And I'm usually joined by a friend or two or ten. And we talk about nothing but great classic rock and metal. And there's no country or Sammy Hagar or rap on the fucking show. That shit is frowned upon with yours truly. So if you want a great classic rock audiovisual podcast, tune on in to the Terrence Reardon and Friends audiovisual podcast. New episodes every Monday exclusively on YouTube. Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault on Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. (laughs) Tired of your long commute and boring work day? Well, join Brian Davis and his gang of movie buffs as they talk about a different movie subject every week on Damn Good Movie Memories. We discuss movie themes like our favorite movie villains, favorite soundtracks, and worst movie remakes, and much more. Check us out on iTunes and Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. From New York. Hey, 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 hey! What up, bangers? From North Carolina. Skitter Pal Meow Meow. This is Bushy. And the Mountain. Tune in every week for your listening pleasure only on the plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man. You can find us on Podbean and iTunes. Thank you very much. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... You'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll, and it's always free. This is Ian Wadley, Wadzilla from Wadzilla's World. Do you want to hear the greatest, most eclectic show on the internet? Show up for the best in hard rock, heavy metal, classic rock, funk, soul, and anything else I deem necessary. Wadzilla World only on Cranium Radio, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Be here or be a bitch. Welcome to the best fucking show you'll ever hear in your life. Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, The Dr. Fuck Show. Yes, tune in here at that metal station for the Dr. Fuck Show. I've been doing this show right here for years. And the 
chat room's always packed, the jams are always playing, and yeah, you may get a rant every freaking week from me. Fuck, not freaking. I don't want to say freaking. I mean fucking. So join me and my lunatics that are let out of the asylum here on that metal station, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Thursday nights. Join me. Let's lose our fucking minds. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, come back when our special guest next week is none other than Krogus lead singer Mark Starachi. Yeah. And he's going to show you how to take that unwanted chest hair and implant it into your balding head so you can have a chia. Man. And, and, and still keep your, your, your chest full of hair. Yes. And be metal as fuck. Hell yeah. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Come on! To the place where we the sky, yeah, 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 y